HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Airway. And uh, for a few years here, I've been very intrigued about uh, what we um, sometimes call the original ancient grain. And it is um, the early predecessor to wheat, for instance, as well as uh, many other grains that have been hybridized through it. And it's called einkorn. And uh, to my great fortune, I'm holding a book right now that is called Einkorn Recipes for Nature's Original Wheat. And it is by Carla Bartolucci, who's on the line. And uh, just to just to preface her, Carla and her husband are the founders of Jovial Foods and BioNature. They've been growing Einkorn and uh, working with a group of farmers to distribute it in the world. So thank you so much for joining us, Carla. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Well, this is um, a really exciting book that you've got, and um, I'm learning so much, and uh, I haven't gotten to make too many of the recipes yet, but I find your story particularly fascinating. Um, So uh, I I guess, how did you get into growing einkorn in 2009, I believe? We started actually, yeah, we started around 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, I um, have a daughter who's now 15, and um, she had um, some food intolerances as a little child, as a toddler. Mm-hmm. And um, these symptoms that she had that went along with that um, continued to get worse and worse as she grew. And when she turned six, we moved back to Italy from Connecticut, uh-huh. where my husband was born. And um, when we moved back, um, while we were looking for a place to live, um, we actually... Um, she ate more wheat than she had been eating before, and um, although we had never really considered wheat to be one of the foods that was bothering her, okay. we were kind of really careful about it because I had been working in the organic food industry as a manufacturer for, you know, at that point, well, it's, it was about, you know, 10 years or so, mm-hmm. 
And and people were just kind of thinking, you know, saying, I'm eating spelts because, you know, wheat's no good for you. Right. <laughs> so we were pretty careful with that. And, um, you know, everything we were eating was organic, and I cooked, and huh. I had a sourdough starter, and our family was eating spelts and um, other ancient types of grains. Um and when we moved back to Italy, though, we had this um, moment where we had a lot of regular wheat, um, pasta, and, and bread. And she started first grade, and there was a little bakery down the corner, and they had this really nice focaccia. And just like mm-hmm. all the other kids, she brought a little piece of it to school. And um, what we noticed was that um, when we laid her down to bed, she had always had a stuffy nose. It was actually really plugged and um, really large tonsils, always getting a cold and all that. Well, she began coughing and coughing and coughing when she laid down. Oh, my gosh. And um, she had really dark circles under her eyes. And she had a very serious asthma attack. And the asthma, you know, just came out of nowhere and was pretty bad. And um, and then, um, you know, combing her hair on the way to school, I noticed that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like clumps of hair were falling out. Her hair was getting really, really thin. Wow. And, um, that must... you know, it was scary, um, you know, because she had really large feeling. Yeah, when behind you're not her sure. ears and they were really hard and she looked pale and I thought maybe she's got, you know, something really bad and it's not really just a food allergy, it's something worse. Um, and, you know, being kind of alternative-minded, we had already been taking her to a homeopathic doctor and all this different thing, you know, mm-hmm. trying all different radio, regular pediatrician, trying to get all the different opinions. Um, and basically, finally, um, you know, one doctor said she had, um, she was allergic, she was intolerant or sensitive to gluten. So we had her tested for celiac disease, which came back negative. And he said it doesn't matter because, you know, there's something new now, which this was, you know, eight years oh. ago, that um, we're, we're finding causes, similar symptoms to what your daughter has. And um, she has a sensitivity to, to modern wheat, to okay. gluten. And um, if you go gluten-free, I think that I strongly believe all of her symptoms will go away. Right. So, yes, and you note um, that agriculture has changed so much in the 20th century that, um, you know, the wheat today doesn't resemble um, even just uh, pre, no. uh, pre-20th century wheat. Um, yeah. So, you know, Heritage things like... wheat, you know, grows... Heritage wheat would be, you know, 100 years old, mm, and that yeah. is still of the same variety of modern wheat, but it can grow, you know, five feet tall, whereas today's wheat only grows 16, 18 inches. After and it, so many just, permutations. It, looks, it looks totally different, and, um, and so we were aware of all this stuff being, you know, intensely, like, into food and everything, but, um, you know, we thought, we went home and just thought, Jeez, I wonder, you know, wow, this is going to be good. Maybe this is really the problem because it was seven right. years of wondering why our daughter wasn't the healthiest, you know, yeah. that and she could be. Um, but at the same time, we couldn't help but thinking, you know, maybe there's a really old weed out there we've never heard mm. of. Yeah, because you also note that there's uh, like synthetic fertilizers, pesticides and herbicides mm-hmm. um, developed in the last 100 years. And um, with modern wheat, which does not have, uh, I, I believe, the husk that it protects right. it from such mm-hmm. contaminants or my, my, mitotoxins, is that correct? Mycotoxins. Mycotoxins. Yeah, those are basically molds, yeah. Yeah, so that doesn't sound like a very good development for wheat at all. Um, so, so okay. So um, once you're once you discover that you know this no gluten was the way to go for your daughter, um, how did you get into 
I, I guess, taking it up, um, taking the initiative to grow and to work with farmers to produce more, um, more of this einkorn? Well, basically, einkorn wasn't really being grown very much anywhere. There were only a couple yeah. hundred, there, only a, there were only a couple hundred acres at that time being grown in different areas of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were lucky enough to find some researchers that had been working, studying the grain, its nutrition, composition, its gluten, all different types of things. And um, a local group of farmers... Um. Oh, sorry. I, I, is somebody dialing? I don't know. Okay. Are you yeah. still there, Carla? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, good. Okay. All right. So a local group of farmers was um, actually, um, it was a museum, a heritage museum, and they had decided to, that they found out that einkorn had grown in their area a long, long time ago. Oh, wow. And um, they decided they wanted to try to replenish these um, seeds. And so um, we met them, and they were really happy to share this with us. And we met a farmer who was really unhappy with growing regular wheat mm-hmm. um, organically. You know, you couldn't. You, smaller farms can't compete with the huge wheat farms. Yeah. And if you're growing organic wheat and you're growing it in Italy, chances are your farms aren't very big, and you, you just can't match that commodity price. So they basically kind of grow it as a rotation crop, but not as anything that could make them any money. And and at that time, the commodity market was crazy, and everybody was unhappy with what was going on. So it was really a great time to find these people, these small farmers, who were just looking for something different, something mm. maybe that could um, give them a better use of their land. And that was... So, yeah. yeah so we teamed that... up, and um, we started to grow 50 acres in that 2008 year. And, wow. um and it just, we just, we noticed how different einkorn was, yeah. how different it grew, and um, we fell in love with it. Wow, what a story. Yeah. I'm, and, um, you know, a lot of the times we think of, like, these chefs or everyday cooks really moving forward uh, the ancient grains movement, I guess if mm-hmm. you could say. Yeah. Um, it is a movement, I think, but um, it's really... Um, it really comes down to a lot of these passion-driven farmers who are taking it um, up- upon themselves to grow this crop and at sometimes tremendous risk um, and a lot of dedication to understand a very different plant. Um, yes, you, you're, that is a very accurate statement. A tremendous risk is really what it <laughs> is. Because there's a reason why, you know, these grains aren't growing so much anymore. You know, when, when, thing, when people's livelihoods are based on yields and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if the yields aren't good, it's it's not a good thing for the farmer. But um, there are people who are different out there. You know, you yeah. can find people who are creative, people who are passionate, people who love the story. That's what my husband and I do. We find these people. And purpose-driven, and, too. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're led by your per- personal um, purpose, and um, I imagine there's a story for everyone. Totally. And, um, you know, once you taste the grain, you taste really how good it is. Um, and you see it grow in your farm, and you see how different it is. Wow. You, know, you, you really fall in love with it. I, I imagine it's also sort of a feedback loop, too, because if there's nobody to buy these um, heirloom or ancient grains, um, there's no demand, then then we have a crop that, you know, what do we do with? So we need to mm-hmm. educate. Is that why you decided to to write this book and share all these great recipes for using einkorn? 
Definitely. And there's another reason, too. Einkorn is different than modern wheat. Mm. So the gluten in einkorn is, is really different. And that's the really nice thing about it, because if you have gluten sensitivity and you take a bag of flour home and you start to bake with it, you're going to feel and see right away that there's something different about it. Wow. But it can be a little tricky. And so um, we began to sell the flour a few years back. And, um, you know, so feel, we feel so many questions <laughs> from people about how to make bread. You know, this, my muffin didn't come out good. And so, um, you know, we really wanted to create, a man, you know, sort of a little manual of how you get introduced into einkorn baking. That's great. In the second half of my show, I definitely want to drill you on some of those questions if you don't mind answering them again. <laughs> sure. Um, but no, actually, this book is pretty impressive because I kind of expected to see a book filled with recipes for pilafs and um, like grain salads. But instead, there's like cupcakes, pizza dough, wheat mm-hmm. thins, churros. Like mm-hmm. these are things I never would have thought you would be able to make with um, a difficult um, and and protein-rich and, and wonderfully healthful grain, right. um, it, you, there's very accessible res- recipes in here. So it's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I think that's, you know, when people are going to bake, you know, I thought about the selection, and I wanted to give people what they really wanted, you know, and I did want it to be a book with, you know, crazy ingredients Peel that you find. You know, I want people to, to eat the foods that they love, although right. I did sneak in some traditional Italian foods that I've learned to cook while I was in Italy, I think. I'm um, sorry, I don't eat Italian food. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's um, a tough sell. You know, but um, I think, you know, I can tell you that some of the recipes, you know, brought me to tears. You mm. know, there they are right now. But to make, you know, a, um, a cinnamon bun with einkorn, I can't even tell you how many times it took me. Beautiful. To and polenta, too. I know. Um, but sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to figure out because there's really yeah. no, there's nothing to go by. You know, there's no, um, you know, Fanny, Fanny Farmer of einkorn. There's no, there's no starting hey, point. Hey, Carla and, Bartolucci, the Fanny Farmer of einkorn. <laughs> I hear it already. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude and we'll be right sure. back chatting more. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hey, hey, we're back chatting more with Carla Bartolucci, the author of Einkorn, Recipes for Nature's Original Wheat. And she's on the line right now. So, Carla, we were just talking a little bit about the recipes, but just to back up a bit, um, what are some people's biggest misconceptions about that you'd like to debunk about Einkorn? Um, I, well, I can answer that really quickly. Yeah. The biggest misconception is that People can tolerate einkorn because it has less gluten. Oh, and I see. that is totally untrue. And I don't want people to think that because even if it had less gluten and you ate a lot of it, you would still have a reaction to it. So the gluten in einkorn is different. It's a very weak gluten, and the reason why it doesn't bother some people that can't eat modern wheat is that there are certain types of proteins that make up gluten 
that are very difficult to digest. And they exist in all different types of wheat except for einkorn. So there's um, the einkorn and the DNA of all of the different types of wheats were separated by, by researchers, and they discovered that certain types of gluten proteins are not in einkorn that are in other grains. And that mm. basically creates a very weak uh, gluten and you can feel that when you're baking, when you roll out a pie crust, I it see. might break easier. When you slice your bread, it might crumble a little bit more, but it doesn't weigh down on your digestion as much. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it kind of there like slides through the back door of, of most people's intolerances. Um, mm-hmm. Is that unless you're celiac? Is that the... the okay, if you, what did you say? Unless Sorry. you're celiac, you shouldn't unless be... Unless you're celiac. Right. If you're okay. celiac. If you have celiac disease mm-hmm. diagnosis, you should not eat yeah. corn. It does contain gluten. And okay. Yeah, you can. Well, I guess I'm not very good at science, but let's go back a little bit because einkorn, you mentioned um, it kind of side, it, it avoided a lot of the hybridization that other grains like spelt, um, durum, and emmer did throughout the ages because it was sort of forgotten and it was just sort of left. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really pure. So this wild emmer um, that was picked up again, um, in recent years only, um, is, is just uh, this relic. And, and why was that, do you know? I mean, obviously we can't really just ask <laughs> anyone from thousands of years ago why they stopped growing uh, einkorn. Right. They actually stopped growing about 5,000 years ago during the Bronze Age. And at that time, that was pretty much the birth of spelt or okay. modern wheat. And I believe at that point, that new species of wheat now, when we say hybridization, we don't mean, you know, people are in a laboratory thought 5,000 years ago, you know, no, hybridizing wheat. It happened in nature. It was a natural occurrence. But people, humans at that time, were very migrant, and they took emmer seeds, and they moved to a totally different area than where wheat was growing. Mm. And emmer hybridized with a goat grass and created and, and spelt, or, or bread wheat, um, mm. was, was born. And there were chromosomal changes to the, to the species of wheat when this happened. And, um, and basically, um, you know, that's, that's really the difference between einkorn and a, and a grain-like spelt, wow. like, like modern wheat. And so when that grain came along, you know, it's like three times bigger in size. It yielded more. And so um, it just became easier to grow than einkorn. And so when something's easier to grow, um, you know, even farmers back 5,000 years ago, would pick that as, a ch- as their choice grain. So in Egypt or in Rome, you know, oh. einkorn was grown, but then it slowly started to, to, to disappear. To lose favor. And, and basically it just survived where it was really hard to grow the other types of wheat. So einkorn is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years old, because it grew wild in the crescent mm. long, long time ago. So it's really like the original food. Right. It survived all of those years by itself. Nobody helped it out. Nobody helped it. They didn't no, travel and, as much with it. And... Exactly. So it's very, very rustic. And mm. although its yields might not be good, it always yields something. Oh. And so where it was really cold or really snowy or the the ground wasn't very fertile, that those are the communities that, that kept einkorn. Tell me about, because um, the picture um, that this um, introduction paints of the, you know, the, the grasses or the tall grains blowing in the wind and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, these kind of remind me of, I guess, older paintings and so forth of, of 
grains in production. Um, mm-hmm. And nowadays, you mentioned that they're shorter than, what, two feet? So that they're easier to harvest? Yeah, yeah well, einkorn grows about, I would say, it definitely grows above five feet. So, so it's like billowing feet. and... Um, I'm about five, too. It grows above my head every right. year, about five, five, maybe. And it's very slim. It's got a lot of um, foliage, a lot of grass. Hmm. And the top of it is very, very slender and very long, and it has spikes at the end. So if you look at a modern grain, basically it has a very deep root system, too. A modern mm. grain has very, a very shallow. shallow root system, not very many leaves. It has a very big stalk. But then at the top, it has very, it's very, very top-heavy, huge mm. grains that circle around the top of the, um, the, top of the wheat, the stalk. And um, that was, you know, there's something called hybridiz- natural hybridization, which is how the different species were created. Right. And then there's something called plant breeding. And that's how modern wheat went from spelt to what it is today. I because see. there, in 1940s, there was um, a, something called the Green Revolution. The population was exploding. Post-war, and, yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they needed to, they, they chose wheat as the crop that would feed the increased you know, the new population. population. Yeah. And so some breeding was done to wheat. They had, um, they had noticed that where there had been a radiation, you know, an, an accident, um, the plants grew a lot shorter the following year. And wow. so there was some cobalt used to dwarf wheat and make it shorter because even this year, we had a beautiful crop this year, but it, it got windy and there were some hailstorms. And a lot of the um, the einkorn will bend right over, and it won't come back up when it's five feet Right, tall. so it gets damaged See? sometimes. Exactly. Bending in the wind, all of these different things. All so that, the shorter that pastoral nostalgia it. is yeah, actually dead. the more they were sure that um, they wouldn't have these problems. But when you stretch a plant to yield so much, so modern wheat probably yields about five times what einkorn yields, mm-hmm. the plant can't produce the same amount of nutrients for the person consuming it because oh. it's just stretched too thin. So wow. More protein, more B vitamins, more carotenoids. It's a very nutritious grain, and that's why they say, you know, ancient grains are high in protein. It's just that they've never really been tampered with. Wow. So the modern wheat is like uh, just a diluted kind of mass scale agriculture version of the more more protein rich and nutrient rich. Wow, it's really interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's there's reasons why what was done was done, you know, mm-hmm. to create a stronger gluten, because then food production was getting into, you know, turning into an industry. So, you know, you had machinery that had to run, you know, bread and stuff like that. That's how dry active yeast was born. You know, the sourdough process took too long. So, <laughs> you know, we have convenient food nowadays, but, you know, we also pay a price for that. So my husband and I, our family was particularly sensitive to, you know, it seemed like these modern kind of wheat, modern wheats or modern technology, I mm-hmm. like to call it. And so we just basically tried to go back to as much of traditional food preparation and traditional varieties, heirloom mm-hmm. varieties of foods. Um, as much as we possibly could with our busy lifestyle. Wow. So I guess my question, Carla, would be um, with its lower yields, with its more susceptible, greater susceptibility to damage, etc., will einkorn possibly feed the world? Can we... Pre- it could, I know. I have, that would be very difficult. 
<laughs> it would be because you'd need five times more land yeah, and it, to grow it. And, it. and it doesn't really grow too much. So we have a five-year rotation cycle. So we plant einkorn in one plot. And then we don't plant it again for five more years. Wow. So we have, but, um, we grow, you know, we grow fava, we grow pasture, and then we plant it again. Um, and so that's how we can get it to yield a decent amount. Because and it needs so, to replenish, yeah, the land mm, and exactly. nutrients. Well, so it, would be, it would be hard. You never know. I think, the, I think if everybody ate less and ate better and mm-hmm. rotated their diet and didn't eat the same things every day, yeah, einkorn could feed the world. But the way that we eat today, it would be difficult. I guess, where do you see einkorn's place in the in the role of our diets going forward? Is this, a, I don't know, an occasional thing? Or is it going to be part and parcel with, with I, the rest? I mean, that's a really personal choice. I think if you mm-hmm. have a, a gluten sensitivity, einkorn can be less expensive tastier and more nutritious than gluten-free foods Let me but, t- mm-hmm. um, and um, if you if you don't have a gluten sensitivity einkorn is a totally new food that's been around forever so why not incorporate that into your diet once a week because variety really is the key to being to staying healthy so why eat rice and corn and wheat every day when one day a week you could eat einkorn Let i me- think once you taste how flavorful it is and then you go back to a regular piece of bread you know, you you really you really love the flavor of it too. So it's also a pleasurable experience. It's not like saying, "Oh, I have to eat this because it's good for me." You're going to really love the taste of it. Wow! Let me tell you, I want to be eating more of it. Looking through your book, um, you made wonderful pasta with it. This tortelloni, um, there's gnocchi, um, and then there's just like sandwich uh, bread. Uh, I. I there's nothing it seems like you can't make with it. What is this, egg roll? Well, the one thing that I wow. couldn't make Salt with cod it, there fritters. really was one thing that I haven't been able to make. Okay, what's that? It is the croissant. <laughs> it, it doesn't really absorb fats too well. Okay, so, the butter, um, yeah. You know, when I finally got that into the oven, and I must have tried, I must have you know, wasted a month on that rest because <laughs> I really thought that would be delicious. The butter would just kind of run out. Um, it, couldn't, yeah. it couldn't hold it in. So I I'm see. still working on that. Wow. But you did make it's cream puffs, which are very impressive looking. Um, pastry, you know, tart crusts, mm-hmm. all kinds of pastries here. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite recipe? The one that you're like, yes, I did it. Like it worked and it worked great. Um, or are, are these all? Well, I mean, I mean, most of the recipes were quite a challenge. Um, you, you know, now that they're done and you see the photography and you try them at home and they come out perfect, you, you would never imagine how many times. That <laughs> how I much hell I went really to through to get you this. The corn cro- cro- You're welcome. You know, <laughs> Even on a silly brownie that only has, you know, 90 grams of flour, mm-hmm. I must have made those brownies 50 times. Because oh my goodness. It's my, you know, I mean, my husband and I sort of spent, like, we've spent, you know, the last seven years living and breathing this grain, um, even growing it, it's stressful for our family, you know, for my kids and everything, because, you know, if it rains, if it snows, if it, if it doesn't sprout, if it, you know, it's, wow. it can be tough because there really isn't any, 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 there isn't any anywhere else. So if we run out, we, we don't have it. So every year is, you know, I think farmers live this cycle mm-hmm. of the harvest. And this year the harvest was really excellent, and it's pretty much the first year that it, it was, you know, pretty seamless, and mm-hmm. so we feel really good about it. But um, so, you know, I wanted the recipes to be better than what you can make with modern wheat. I mean, that was my goal, and um, you know, I think um, 
I think I really love sourdough bread. That's my favorite thing. And yeah, I that love looks beautiful. Sort of classic French bowl that's made with with just flour, water, sourdough starter, and salt because it's just very simple so you can really taste the flavor of the yeah i was gonna say it looks like a really great way to taste the einkorn and the difference Mm -hmm. wow i definitely that looks like a beautiful loaf too Mm -hmm. um and it's wonderful to hear your story of having worked with the growing seasons of the grains and then in the kitchen it's like you these are these are special grains to cherish and to make the best of, the mm-hmm. best use of. And definitely, well, and I think you know sometimes people think oh it's expensive, um, you know you don't want them to make a mistake with that, mm-hmm. and you don't want yep. them to be turned off to a beautiful thing. And so Absolutely. you need to get the cookbook and start off on the right foot and just kind of learn a little bit what texture should really feel like because they're a little bit different, you know, that your bread should be all wet and sticky and mm-hmm. that's good. Um, you know, then you can always, you know, once you go through it, you can branch out um, and try some other recipes. Well, let me tell you, this chicken pot pie has my name on it right now. <laughs> I <laughs> can't stop hungry. looking at it. Yeah. Um, I guess that's about all the time we have today. But Carla, thank you so much for being a really incredible guest and sharing your story and and experience and knowledge about einkorn today. Thank you so much for having me and bringing more attention to the, you know, this grain. It's a great thing. Absolutely. Check out einkorn in the bookstores today from from Clarkson Potter. And thanks everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. I just want to testify.